Welcome, friends, to the Someone Gets Me podcast. I am your host, Diane Allen, and I am so delighted that you're here. This podcast was created because I believe there is a visionary leader inside each one of us who is waiting to be seen. In each episode of Someone Gets Me, you will hear useful tips from successful visionaries who will share their stories about how being seen has allowed them to take their vision out into the world with action. Welcome, friends, to Someone Gets Me. I'm Diane Allen here with Carol Gill, an expert in emotional intelligence and relationships in the corporate world, the business world, and the personal world. I've known Carol for many years, and I have received a ton of knowledge from her. She teaches in such an amazing way. So I invited her back on the podcast to talk to us specifically about emotional intelligence, because I think it's so needed these days. Carol is the president of Carol Gill Consulting. She founded the company, obviously, after her name, and she's a heart-centered person. She really cares about the people she works with. She's not one of those dry, old, stuffy type (laughs) people um, that you hear about in the corporate world. She is a mastermind at helping teams come together, at helping people really see a common goal. In fact, not long ago, Carol was presented with me at my retreat, and she did an exercise with everybody that was so profound that even when she told me what she was going to do, I couldn't believe how amazing it was. And the way she helped everyone see their role in it was masterful. So I'm so delighted that Carol has come back today to be on Someone Gets Me to help us really get some clarity around emotional intelligence in these really tricky times. So thank you, Carol, for taking time out of your busy day to come back on the show. Thank you so much, Diane. I'm really glad glad to be here with you again. (laughs) Oh, this is amazing. So emotional intelligence. Mm Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about how the whole idea of emotional intelligence really became important to you. Like, what about your life and your world (laughs) happened or started happening? Or when did it all just kind of say, wow, this is something that's important to me. I I need to know more and I I need to help people with this. How did that happen? Well, I, before it was called emotional intelligence, to be honest with you, uh, gosh, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, Understanding why people do what they do has been a passion of mine since I was a little girl. So before I knew what I was doing, there was the, the desire and the, the inquisitiveness to find out why does somebody do what they do and I do something different. So the real emotional intelligence was that phrase was coined probably 30 years ago and there's multiple different schools of thought about it, but ultimately, when you think about emotional intelligence, it's kind of an oxymoron, right? Have you ever seen an emotion that was intelligent? Right. There's no, right? Emotions right. just are. And then they drive us sometimes, if we allow them to, to act in ways that sometimes aren't very beneficial to us. Mm. So for me, it was the journey of figuring out why I was making choices that I was making Uh, based on the emotions that I had and how I was relating to it. And then it really led itself into a whole new world for me. Oh, wow. That's amazing. So curiosity is what started it all. (laughs) Absolutely. Understanding why people do what they do. And then what can we do about it? 
Has there ever been a time where you didn't feel understood? Oh, many times. <laughs> there are times when I think some people look at me like I have a, mm, three different heads, you know, um, because I do ask lots of questions and I do look at people um, differently a lot of times because I'm looking for what's driving their action, not, not necessarily what they're doing, but what, why they're doing it. So if I can understand, for example, if, if someone is in a very happy place, I want to understand what's driving that happiness. But if they're in a, a, an, an off place, they're not happy or they're, they're frustrated, I want to understand what's driving that and help them recognize that they can choose to respond to that emotion in a different way mm-hmm. that gives them more effectiveness. Right. Oh, that's really, really cool. So how, how does emotional intelligence or the idea of it, how does it affect groups of people? Like I'm thinking about when I'm, when I'm specifically thinking about is like a work situation where there's, you know, the higher ups or whoever, and then there's like the worker people, like whether they're all in the same stratus, if you will, or the same area. And, and there's always somebody who's gossiping and then there's the backbiting and then there's the little clicks and, you know, that's the stories that you hear about the offices Mm -hmm. and stuff. And so, how would emotional intelligence actually help those people if they were to be open to it, not have so much divisiveness? Well, it starts with self-awareness. You know, a a big part of emotional intelligence is understanding your own emotions first Mm -hmm. and understanding what, how you react to them or respond to them naturally. Mm -hmm. So there's really a set of skills or competencies that you can develop. So the self-awareness component is really saying, okay, when somebody hits this button for me, right, it's my hot button and it makes me feel like I'm not competent. That's in my head. It may not be at all what they're saying, but that's how I interpret what happened. Then I'm going to act from that place of defensiveness because I'm defending my position. So what, when we look at self-awareness, it's like, okay, now I know that that's a hot button for me. How can I respond to that differently to get a different result? Because when I get defensive, conversation breaks down, right? right. It's a lose-lose. So if I can choose not to get defensive and ask a question that opens a dialogue that gives me a stronger level of understanding, then we can get to a place where we're actually having conversation as opposed to fighting with each other. And that's really the key to why we want emotional intelligence in our world. When you have breakdowns in in communication, and a lot of times I get called in to work with people because of a personality conflict, and it really isn't personality at all. It's what they're doing with their personality that gets them in trouble. So who they are is fine, but what they do or the choices they make as a result of the emotions that are driving them are the things that get them in trouble. So that's where I come in and help people recognize you have a choice here. You can choose not to act from that emotion and actually bypass that piece of your brain and say, wait a minute, logically, what's the best thing I could do in this situation right now to get me the best result? And that's what emotional intelligence is really all about. It's retraining your brain. Oh, that makes so much sense. And I'm sitting here thinking about the people that um, get very aggressive and very in your face because they're, I'm honest, I'm going to tell the truth. And they're like screaming at you that Mm -hmm. they are going to beat you up with the the truth. Right. And, 
and it doesn't feel safe at all. And it doesn't, you no. know, there's, there's no energy exchange other than, whoa, back up. Right. And if that and person, they actually turn people off. Right. And so then they wonder why people don't want to be around them. Mm-hmm. They're just being truthful where if they would learn a different delivery style in a way exactly. to speak to the listener. Right. It would be better. Right. Absolutely. And the situation at hand, you know, look at what's happening in our world right now. If we could sit down and have dialogue around some of the chaos that's happening right now, instead of the right, wrong dialogue that's going on right now, mm-hmm. it, we could solve this problem. So, you know, part of me, and this is not quite emotional intelligence, but Carol's belief system, if we could get rid of agree, disagree, and right, wrong out of our dialogue, we could have some very, very healthy conversations and fix problems. Um, so, but again, it's, we have to want to do that. It's, it's not a natural thing because our bodies, our brains want to defend our, our, our position. So we have to be willing to really look at what's driving us to do what we're doing is it giving us the results that we want? And if not, what can we do differently to get a better result? Yes, that's true. And, and it's like the ego is not our amigo, right? Our brains will lie to us. And, and just because <laughs> yes, our brain's do. thinking it doesn't make it true. That and, is exactly right. And just because it's a strong emotion doesn't mean it needs to come out all ugly either and just wah, and chaotic. It's time to use some discipline and some understanding. Absolutely. Everybody from everybody, you know, right? <laughs> like, no, our ego is not our ego. So do you, do you have any examples of maybe somebody that you worked with that was really, really struggling and some of the things that you did or some tips that you might have for somebody who's going, wow, this is kind of curious. I want to check out emotional intelligence. What does it even mean? Or how can I look at it? What are some of the like characteristics of somebody who has emotional intelligence? Mm. People to start noticing where they might be and how, and how someone like you could maybe help them see it? That's a really good question. So one of the things that happens a lot, like I said, is I get called into organizations or people will contact me and say, Carol, you know, I need help. I'm struggling with this one person. Um, so it's, it's helping them recognize that we do see, we have our own filters that we look through. And if we understand that other people's filters don't look like ours, then then that's the starting place, right? So I have, for example, I have one person that I'm working with right now, and she's, she's a very strong leader and very good at what she does. Um, she, she doesn't do well um, explaining her feelings. She, she, she's afraid to be vulnerable, let me say it that way. Mm-hmm. So it's very difficult for her to say, I need help, or I made a mistake. And so because that's so hard for her, it's difficult for her to interact with other people who do make mistakes because we all do, right? So she has a very high standard of what she expects from other people. And if, if they feel that they're not, or she feels that they're not living up to that standard, then her behavior with them is, it's just not appropriate. It just doesn't work. Right. So I'm, I'm really working with her right now to see, you've got to see the world from a different space. This person is doing everything he or she can do in order to achieve success, but they don't have the same level of, of standard or knowledge that you do. So they need more guidance. That doesn't make them a bad person. It doesn't make them incompetent. 
it makes them more needy from the standpoint of information, but people are people. We're all different. So it's, it's the recognition that my way isn't the only way, that I'm not always right, and that I need to adapt and, and my approach when I'm working with people who are different than me. And that doesn't make them bad people. It just means they need something different from me. And I, as a leader, need to figure out how to make that happen. Right. And, and it would have been nice if I would have had this assessment way when, back when I used to run big, big <laughs> people because one of the things that I used to hear all the time was, I can never be like you. Yes. I would always say, I don't want you to be like me. I, I don't, I want you to be your own self. I want you to do it your own way. And it's okay if we mess it up. And I would say all those things to help everybody see that it was a safe place and you really could just be, I wanted the diversity. Right. But the paradigm in the belief of the people, of some of the people, a couple yeah. of people was that it all had to look the same. And my Absolutely. paradigm, my view was expansive and diverse. And I wanted more, more is better, like melting pot and then some, you know? And so it was a very interesting thing to help the people that I was supervising understand that I wanted their ideas and diverse understanding. And I'm not one of those people who said, look just like me, act just like me. And their right. fear of, I can't be like you was totally in their own mind. Yes. And that happens a lot. It, it really does. So, you know, I, I talk about people's radar screens. We have a radar screen and that's how we see the world. And, and those are the things that we focus on. So in, in a lot of the work that I do, I use behavioral and personality assessments and it helps people recognize that you may see things this way. Somebody else may see it a complete opposite way, same situation. It's not about right, wrong. Mm -hmm. It's about different. And so if we can bridge the gap between what you're seeing and what I'm seeing and say, wow, that's really interesting, as opposed to, no, you have to believe the way I believe, or you have to think the way I think, then that's where creativity comes from. So it's being able to tap into that potential that everyone has by bringing out those differences and valuing those differences as opposed to trying to push them away or um, make everybody the same. Right. That's, that's really valuable for a lot of people. And especially in the transformation wildness that's going on in our world today. Absolutely. You know, I think people were being called to transform and change and open up in ways that most people are not comfortable doing. Exactly. It's a scary place. You know, I do a lot with change and transition and um, I ask people who likes change and a lot of people will raise their hand. I love change as long as I'm doing the change. I'm making it happen. Um, but that's another piece of emotional intelligence when we think about managing through the transition of one, you know, leaving something and moving into the unknown. That's a very scary place. And you get into this place we call the neutral zone where you're just kind of hanging out saying, I don't want to let go, but I know I have to, and I have no idea what's coming on the other side. Yes. So the more adaptable we become and the more agile we become, the more flexible we become, the more, the more quickly we can navigate through that transition process and get to the other side. That, I think that that's what's so important. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, when we have change and transformation, if you will, thrust upon us, mm -hmm. even those of us who 
it's our lifelong way of living. Right. It's tricky sometimes. And, and I really feel for people sometimes who they're not used to this. They don't know about development or change or, or how to handle their emotion or, or what to do. There's so many questions that they must be asking, but don't even know that there's answers for you know, That's exactly right, Diane. I did a, a webinar not too long ago with a group and talked about that whole process of transition. And we talked about the, the feelings that goes that you go through, you know, there's denial, it's not going to happen. And we went through a lot of this at the beginning of this year, that can't happen, we can't shut down the, the country. Um, and then you get into the space of fear, you know, you're you've got fear, you've got anger, you've got apathy, you've got um, hopelessness. And then you move to the other side of, okay, maybe this is going to be a good thing at some point. Maybe there's something positive that's going to come out of that. If you don't know that those are natural feelings, then you think you're all out there by yourself. You're isolated. And I had, you know, 10 people on this call the other day that said, wow, I never thought about it that way, but that's exactly what I was feeling. And I thought it was just me. Mm -hmm. So being able to share those feelings and help people walk through that process and recognize that's not unusual. It's normal that you can get to the other side, that it, that's why I do what I do. Yes. And I think we only grow when we're safe emotionally. And that's one of the reasons why I asked you on the show and why I trust you so much is because you are a safe person and you can listen from whatever viewpoint the person's in, if they're a beginner and they don't know anything about mm -hmm. any of it, you're a good educator. And then, but if they do know a little bit and they're still kind of struggling, then you also can dial into that space and help them in a, in a safe manner. And so what would you suggest for people to help them increase their safety level? Like what if they're not feeling safe to be vulnerable and, or they're not even safe with even saying what they're feeling is because they're not sure if it's the right word or if they're doing right. it right. What would be something to help them feel a little bit more safety maybe in order to be comfortable to like reach out to somebody like you or somebody that could help them or just to just feel a little bit more safe? Because I feel like so many people don't even feel safe in their own, in their own home or in their own body right now. Yeah, I think that's a very fair um, assumption. I think you know, one of the things that I, I help people do is really identify of all the things that are happening around you right now, identify what are the things that you can control? What do you have control over? And I, I use a, a piece of paper and I put three columns on it, right? These are the things I can control in my life right now. Mm -hmm. These are the things that I can influence. I don't have direct control over, but I can actually do something about from an influence perspective. And then the third column is these are things I have no control over. And write those things down, get them out of your head and put them on paper. Because once you do that, you know, we carry all this stuff around in here and we think about it all the time. Once you get it out, you've, you've, you've taken out all that stuff right. and you've put it on paper. Now you can look at it from a more objective perspective. And when you look at that list of what can I control, primarily it's, it's you. Okay. There are, there are not a whole lot of things outside you personally that you can control. You can control your attitude. You can control your, your thoughts. You can control your behaviors. Um, you can control your choices. So those are all things that you have control over. When you think about things that you can influence, you can influence other people, but you can't change them. 
you can't control them. You influence them through what you do or what you say, right? And then that third list, that's the list that you have to let go. So when I look out in our world today, what can I do about COVID, right? What can I control? I can control me. I can control what I choose to do and what I choose not to do. But I can't control the disease. I have no control over that. So I've got to let it go. Because worrying about that is just wasting energy. And it's making me feel unsafe. So the safety goes back to what I have control over. Let me focus on that. Let me make sure that I'm doing everything I can do for me to be safe and let go of the rest of it. So that's just one example. But you can take work and relationships and problem solving. All of that goes into that, that layout. So that's a great starting point. I think that's a great starting point because I'm listening to you and I'm like, okay, I've always heard people say, what can you control and what can't you control? Right. All right. But I love that middle column of where's the influence. Where's my influence. Right. And because that gives us permission to still feel like we have some um, meaning and some purpose and there's something we can do. We're not totally like in or out. Absolutely. And we get to see that there are things we can influence, even if we're not right in the middle of it. I love that third column. And I haven't heard anybody ever say that before. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, um, I know. And I think of it that way naturally, but I don't know that I even put the word to it. But I've asked a lot of people, you know, on air and off the air about it. And it's like, well, what can you control? What can't you control? And then the other one is nose and toes. If it's behind your nose and toes, you control it. Anything out there, you can't. Right. So yeah. what you're saying is, hold on a minute, you can influence it though. You may not be Absolutely. able to control it, but there is a way to have influence and there's a way to have your vision and your heart heard and felt, and which is where our safety is. So Absolutely. I'm glad you shared that because I think that's a very important distinction in how to help us all feel a lot more safe and, and like we can do something. You know, some of us, we want to do something, but we right. don't know what to do. So let's, exactly. look at, let's look at what we can influence mm -hmm. the situations, right? So Absolutely. I only got a couple more questions, <laughs> I, I, but I told you before we got on here that I had questions. So how does agility and flexibility, mm. being agile and flexible, pay off? right now for humans in this unbelievable transition going on. And oh, wow. Whether we agree with it or not, but how does being flexible or agile, you know, how does that pay off? What is our, would be our payoff if we say, you know something, I'm going to learn to be more flexible and more agile, and I'm going to be a little bit more open. Mm -hmm. How would that pay off? What, what do you see as, as a benefit for all of us humans in, in that situation? <laughs> Well, I think that, you know, it, the flexibility and agility allows us to move quickly. And everything in our world right now is pretty chaotic. So being able to adapt more quickly is going to help us get through that transition curve a whole lot more quickly. Um, because change happens no matter what. You know, we woke up and, and the day the, the world was different. And so it's gone. We, we're not going to get that back. It's never, ever, ever going to be the way it was. And, and so moving from there to the new, whatever the new is, mm -hmm. we can't be stuck. So we have to be able to build that, that, I call it the agility muscle, right? Or the flexibility muscle. When you think about, um, 
working out your muscles, right? Muscles will atrophy if you don't use them. So the more you use a muscle, the stronger it becomes. The more you use adaptability and you learn to flex, the more able you are to navigate through the chaos that's out there without it impacting you in a negative way. And so we have to learn, like for me, for my business, you know, primarily my business has been in front of people in classrooms or in meeting rooms and boardrooms. And now my clients are working from home. So I've had to quickly um, adapt to what their needs are through the virtual mechanism. Now I've been doing this for years, but I've never really looked at it as the way I do work, right? It was, in, it was yes and I do this. Yes. But now this has become a primary focus for me and I need to learn how to do it extremely well and to utilize this platform to be able to give my clients what they need just in time because I can't physically be there. So that's, you know, if I, if it takes me six months to do that, I'm, I'm out in left field. I need to be able to do that very quickly. So how is it going to help people? it really allows them to see and create what they want as opposed to waiting for it to happen, mm. right? If, if we're not adaptable and we don't have the ability to move quickly, then we're waiting for things to happen and we'll be, we'll be behind the curve at that point. So we can make the world what we want it to be if we learn how to flex as we move through this, this chaos. Oh, that's real. I thought I love that advice. And I, I love the, your thoughts about that. And I kept thinking of those old memes you see where it says, you know, waiting for so, such, such and such and it's a skeleton. Yeah. <laughs> you, How's that working for you? You uh -huh. can keep waiting and you can keep trying to get things to go back to the way it was. It's not, not going to happen. Everything's always expanding. And the more flexible we get, the better. And then I was also thinking about, well, we're talking about emotional flexibility here and agility, but I think that's where the value of people who do yoga and Tai Chi and Qigong along with strength training. It's a yes mm -hmm. and. Yes. We want to be flexible, but we also want to keep building our other muscles too. Right. And it's not one to the exclusion of the other. Absolutely. And, um, and I think people leave out the emotional part in our society historically i'm hoping that some of this will help people wake up to the importance of the emotional component that we both understand is important but like for a greater group of people absolutely i hope so too and you know the funny thing is they used to call this stuff soft skills um it's the hard stuff it's it's very hard for a lot of people so one of the things that i would i would say is when we talk about emotional intelligence the way our brains work we feel things before we think them that's how we're hardwired. So whether that was intentional or not, I'm not sure, but emotionally, that's how we think, okay? We think from our emotions. So we have to pay attention to, is that emotion serving me, the reaction to that emotion? I'm not saying stuff the emotion, you've gotta feel it, but is the reaction serving me or should I react in a different way? Can I, can I choose a different response and get a different result? And that's really what I want people to be able to do. Yes. Oh, that, that's so powerful and so needed in the world mm -hmm. and on so many levels, you know, because I think we, we live in a culture that has been neck up. It's, the intellect has been so highly over-regarded yeah. that the emotional health and welfare of people, even just the curiosity that we started talking about in the beginning that got you mm -hmm. started on all this, that would have been poo-pooed, you know, and, and looked down upon, but it's so important. 
yeah. to be curious and allow our emotions. It's really our energy source to tell us we're alive. Absolutely. And, you know, living all stuffed up in our head isn't, isn't where it is. It's just no. not where the answer is. Yeah, that's true. So you, you get to spend time helping people thaw out from that overly intellectualized life experience. It's all rigid and difficult. I do. <laughs> and I'll bet you love it when you see them like smile for the first oh, time yeah. or like soften. You're like, oh, there, they can finally exhale, you know? Absolutely. I, I love it when the light bulb goes off. I love it when people say, I could not have gotten to this place without getting out of my head and getting into my heart. Uh, it's It's a very... Very interesting process to watch and be part of. Yeah. Oh, man, that's really amazing. So I have a couple little other fun questions for you. Okay. Um, what do you do to relieve stress? <laughs> I mean, how that's do you take care of yourself? You, you're doing pretty myself. intense work and you're helping lots of people and you're out there really doing a lot. So what does Carol do to help herself relieve stress? Well, I, I, there's a couple of things. Um, I, I love to be outside. And so my favorite place in the whole world is on St. Pete Beach <laughs> um, with the chair and the waves and the sand. And I mean, I, I really, that's my downtime. So that is one of the things that I do for me is, is give myself the opportunity to be in nature from that perspective. Mm -hmm. The other thing that I do is I work in my yard. I have um, landscaped my yard, uh, literally. I have dug out, I don't know, probably, I don't even know what the size is, a huge portion of sod and built a big flower bed and have plants of all kinds and shapes. And I, I really like doing that. Um, some people think I'm crazy because it's a lot of work and it's, I get hot and sweaty and dirty, but I love it. So those are my two things. Oh, well, nature, you know, digging in the earth is like one of the most healing things in the world. And yeah the ions in the air by, by the Gulf or by any salt water like that is just mm -hmm. so healing. So it makes perfect sense to me with how sensitive you are that you would love that. So what's the most memorable food you've ever eaten? Oh, wow. Let's see. Most memorable food. I would have to say it was, um, it was octopus and I, I didn't think I would ever eat it. I mean, I've done mussels and snails and all that kind of stuff, but octopus, I thought I would never eat it. And uh, my partner and I were down in Sarasota, um, the name of the restaurant, Crab and Fin, I think. And they made this octopus dish. I have no idea how they did it because it was the best thing in the world I've ever had, but I would never have said I would eat octopus. So that's it. So... There's a part of you that's a risk taker too, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> oh, wow. This is amazing. I just love talking to you about these things because I think it's so important to be, to be flexible and to be willing to see what's happening because not all these changes that are happening in the world are self-created. I mean, we have our own self-created things, but it's just everywhere around us. Mm -hmm. So is there anything that you're feeling like you would like to say before we get ready to start to close this interview to maybe help offer a little hope to the people of the world? Well, uh, you know, I'm sitting here holding this coffee mug and I don't know if you can see it. I will share, share it with you. But this is what I look at every morning. And it says, life begins at the end of your comfort zone. And I think that that's where we all are right now. 
we're at the end of our comfort zone. Um, nothing is going to be the same. And we have the ability, and this is what I think is so amazing. We have the ability to create what's new, what's next. We have that right now in our hands right now. And so I would challenge everyone that hears this to think about what you want to create in your life and write it down and take a step to make that happen. You know, just one little step. That's all it takes. One step at a time uh, to create what you want to see the rest of your life look like. Right. Oh, that's beautiful. I love it. So you've all, we've been listening to Carol Gill who is an amazing person who helps all of us get more aware of our emotional intelligence and to be flexible and agile. She does great assessments and work with you. So if you love what Carol's been saying, then check her out. I'll put her link in the show notes. It's Carol Gill, C-A-R-O-L-E-G-I-L-L.com. And we'll put her link in the show notes and other ways to reach her, but reach out to her because she will work with you no matter where you are, virtually or in person, and she'll help you become more flexible, more agile, and more aware of your emotional intelligence so that you can keep moving through all the craziness in the world with some more safety and groundedness and assuredness. So Carol, thank you for being on the show. Thank you for spending your time today with us, um, sharing this valuable information. I'm sure that we, I know I've gotten a lot out of it. I'm sure all the listeners are too. So thank you. Thank you, Diane. I really appreciate it and I love you. And this has been great fun. So I really appreciate your time. Oh, thanks so much. So remember everybody to keep your face to the sun so the shadows do fall behind you. You're a rock star and you're here on purpose with a purpose. So go out there and let your light shine. Be mm. grounded and be happy because the transition is working in our favor if only we will allow it. So contact Carol and in the meantime, have a good day. Be well. Thank you for listening. I trust you gained some valuable inspiration and information. Please join me and other visionaries in the Someone Gets Me Facebook group. Or for more information on my services and additional episodes, visit someonegetsme.com. Again, thanks for listening.